Let's take a deep dive into Now and Then by The Beatles. The track was released on November 2nd, 2023, which is strange for me to say. Um, Because I was 13 or 14 the last time a new Beatles song was released. And I've always loved Real Love and Free as a Bird. But I don't think it, um, it connected to me quite like it did with this song. For different reasons. Um, Is it the best Beatles song ever? No, it's not even the best of the solo John Lennon demos, in my opinion. But it is touching and emotional and nostalgic. So there's something to be said about that and its release. And of course, it's impossible to discuss this track without also mentioning how fantastic John sounds. The technology used to isolate his vocal is uh, really incredible. And I do hope they'll go back and clean up Freeza Bird and Real Love with this new technology. There's a lot to talk about this track, but I have mixed feelings because as much as I enjoy it, I have some critiques too. Overall, I think the mix is not great. Uh, it's overcompressed, and things like Paul's great bass playing are drowned out by Ringo's rim hits. I mean, yes, I want to hear Ringo. Um, his playing is fine on this track, but they have a rim hit as loud as the most powerful snare hit. So it's, it's a little bit bricked, um, and I think that takes some of the life out of the track, and I know some of the 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 greatness of the Beatles all the way back to the beginning is the air they left in those mixes. That's why it sounds so fresh today. Um, But I know why they did it. It needs to sound natural being streamed on Spotify next to Taylor Swift. And with that, they succeeded. It has a very modern sounding mix. Um, It's also glaring how little of George is on this track. Acoustic strumming is all we get from him. Um, There is an electric guitar part that's somewhat buried in the mix, but it's obviously played by Paul. And of course, the slide solo is well known to be Paul. He admitted that in the documentary. Um, There are just so many points where you know George would have added a tasty fill, particularly in the chorus, because there's so much time in between lines in in those choruses that it just needs something in there that George would have been uh, probably dropped a, a great memorable fill into. Um, his playing on the previous two songs was brilliant, and they had and had they finished this track back then, um, I think he would have contributed some beautiful stuff. But like I said, there's a lot to talk about, and to help me chat about it, I've invited my friend Chris to the podcast um, because we've been chatting in private, and um, I know he's got a lot of thoughts on this. You or may may remember him from such podcasts as the original Kinks and Beats, um, but he's back now. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks for having me. And and just so everyone knows, uh, my part of the podcast was actually recorded about five years ago. But through the magic of AI, (laughs) I'm able to be here live tonight. Chris and I haven't spoken in years. (laughs) What was your first impression of the song? Well, through much anticipation, I had to temper my expectations a little bit because I am a Beatles homer and I knew I was going to automatically just accept it and like it. And that was a natural reaction when I first heard it. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm I'm going to be very uh, critical of the song at the same time. I'd of course, I've I, I'd heard the the, the demo tape. Uh, and I, I think even if you're not a Beatles fan and if you're curious about this track at all, I, I would suggest hunting down uh, the demo tape. You can find it on YouTube. And it'll give you an idea of uh, the type of song it is. And going into it, I had an expectation uh, expectation of what the song might sound like just based on uh, what they did with Free as a Bird in real love. I was expecting an ELO sounding uh, composition, uh, very Paul heavy. 
I was expecting to uh, to hate that part of it, and that's not what we got. And instead, I ended up being very uh, nitpicky on some other things. And what you said in the intro are some of the things that uh, I also uh, don't really much care for. Um, and you hit it right on the head is, yeah, there's an obvious reason they did compress the heck out of this, the, the, the rim shot. Uh, because it does have to live on Spotify and on iTunes and, and it has to sound like it was recorded in two, uh, 2023, as opposed to, uh, at a piano on a boombox in 1977. Yeah. Well, the thing with the drums in particular, I thought on this one is that if you listen, Ringo had an EP come out like three weeks ago and I haven't listened to all of it because I have, I'll listen to them all when I do the episodes, but I listen to bits and pieces of it and the drums sound like they're recorded in a professional studio, even though it's his home studio, they sound professionally mic'd and mixed and everything. But that the rim shot in particular, it sounds like it's in some guy's bedroom studio because of all the compression and everything. It just, And it sticks out to me because it's like, you've got this beautiful string section recorded at Capitol. You've got, uh, I, I kind of have issues with some of Paul's parts too, as far as the recording, but for the most part, it's a very professional, slick sounding recording. And then this rim shot, it's like, well, did they just record that in some guy's bathroom? Like it just <laughs> so out of place because it's so present. And I don't know, it's, 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 it's a, a glaring thing for me. The song overall though, um, aside from that nitpick, um, and I told you this uh, in a uh, in a DM that it's not going to be a, a classic. It's not going to no. be a hit. It's not necessarily going to be memorable. Um, however, <laughs> um, it, that's still true. But the more I listen to the song, and the more that I let the significance of what it, all of it entails and what this whole journey to this song means the more I actually dig this song is more of like a deep cut off of maybe like the white album or something. It's some mm -hmm. kind of some on the level of like sexy Sadie or something like that. Yeah. So not going to be a, a it, it doesn't deserve to be a single. If it weren't for what it actually represents and is, this should not be a single. Yeah. If is they were putting out a whole album of tracks, this would be a, an album track for sure. It would be, and it would still be one that I would go to and listen to. Mm -hmm. I would throw this in my, you know, top, I don't know, 150 or so uh, Beatles songs. It's not, awful no. it's not uh it's not wild honey pie <laughs> <sighs> no I, I i like it and i like the demo and um i mean this thing like i said i'm just getting nitpicky and stuff it's like when i listen to it i listen i was driving when it first dropped on youtube so i i put it on youtube and and through the bluetooth and i started to get choked up a little bit not because the song moved me. I'm actually, I actually get a little choked up listening to Real Love and Free as a Bird because I think they are so beautifully produced. Like the the Lennon vocals aside, the guitar work, the everything about it is there's so much really good playing on it. Um, and so that one makes me a little nostalgic, you know, for for George and and a younger Paul and Ringo and stuff. But like it was, it, it hits you. It's like well, this is it. There's nothing else that I'm I'm gonna hear. You know, and like I wasn't there for the first run of the Beatles, but like this is it. This is I'm never there's never going to be some new undiscovered thing. You know, I mean, even the get back stuff, there's stuff we haven't heard, but it's like, OK, it's a singing a Buddy Holly song. That's not anything special to me. But this is like, you know, this is it, yep. you know, and and it, and it was it was emotional. And I think the the subject matter of the song also helps boost that. Like it's 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 a total nostalgia trip 
you know, and, and like a thank you to the fans and kind of like a part of me thinks that Paul's insistence on releasing it was also because of the now and then. And if you take out the, the verse from the demo that they did take out where it's obviously about a woman, um, yeah. Yeah. it's very easy for you to draw a line that this is John talking to Paul. And we all know Paul wants us to remember that he worked with John Lennon because he brings it up all the time. Yeah. So I think yeah. there was a little bit of that, you know, um, to go into. So it wasn't just nostalgic for us. It's also nostalgic for him, you know, and there's a, a famous story that Carl Perkins told about um, the last thing John Lennon said to Paul McCartney in person at the Dakota building was think of me friend now and then, or something like that. So like yeah. that, that phrase is so associated with John in Paul's mind. So it makes sense why they did it, but you know, it is just a nostalgia trip. And I think, you know, they, Paul learned doing Egypt station, how to get a number one record nowadays. Yeah. You know, he's, he's figured out how to do where like, if you market to the right things and do the, do 700 different versions of the vinyl release and put it on Spotify and YouTube first and all that kind of stuff, it will get you to number one. And I think there was part of it. They were like, well, we'll get a number one hit out of this. It'll be number one next week. I'm positive of it. Um, because it's so easy to get a number one. This would th these numbers in 1966 wouldn't even have cracked the top 200. But now, you know, we'll have to completely re re reissue Beatles one again then. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've got this, and this was originally supposed to be on Anthology three, mm -hmm. and uh, George Harrison allegedly said it was effing rubbish, and that's why we didn't get it, and they didn't finish it. Now that we do have this. Do you think they're going to use the the Mal uh, technology by uh, was it Weta, Weta Studios, uh, the, uh, Peter Jackson's, mm -hmm. to go in and clean up Real Love and Freeze Bird, or do you think they just let it exist as it was in the original anthology one and two? I think if they redo the anthology, then they have to. Right, if, like if they're going to remaster the anthology and all that, which they might. I don't think that one necessarily needs it. Like I don't need my studio outtakes to be the most modern and pristine copies. You know, it's fine the way it is, but if they do, I think they, they should go back and redo them. Um, but, and I've told this to you before, they need to stick with the original anthology guitar tracks. Cause I hate real love in particular. They, they, they flew in different guitar tracks and I absolutely hate them. And it's not just because I'm so married to the original after hearing it since 1995, but they're just not as good. They're like half ideas that George is kind of tinkering through. And then you get the full idea on the part that they originally released. So if they go back to those original tracks and then remaster it, I think they would if it, if the anthology is a, a, a remaster in the works, but there's like a director's cut of the anthology too, of the video yeah. that they've hinted at for a long time that could be come out. So like, if it's going to be a whole big package, cause there's not that many big packages left in this Apple vault. I could see them going to that. Well, at some point and then real love freeze a bird. And now, and then it'll be like a, a record store day release in 2027, you know? <laughs> well, and, and that's a going to be a good segue to um, the music video mm -hmm. for this album or this single <laughs> is that, what they did to produce the video makes me feel like they very easily could go into that director's cut and freshen it up a little bit, mm -hmm. um, upscale it, 
add new elements. And I don't just necessarily mean the, whatever footage we haven't seen yet, but um, elements that maybe we hadn't seen before, like we saw on the now and then uh, music video, which I have nitpicks about as well. <laughs> so I, I think there, there's a certain, there certainly is a possibility that they do do that, but do we need it? But then you could say that about now and then. Did we need this? We, too? we haven't needed anything since Let It no. Be in 1970. It's all just been right. gravy. Right. Right. The thing that amazes me too, and this doesn't get talked about, and and I'm seeing the use of AI being completely misrepresented in a lot of the coverage of this song, both in like print media. You go on TikTok. There's one woman on TikTok that that straight up, and I think she did this on purpose, but she straight up said Paul wrote a new verse. And then they had AI make John sing the new verse Paul wrote. Now, what verse is it? There's only two verses in the song. You know, they repeat the opening bar, the opening phrase like three times in this song. So there's not that many lyrics to begin with. So which one did Paul write? That's not true. They used it to extract his voice, to separate it from the piano so that they could get, because that piano is just horribly out of tune in the, in the demo. Um, and then so they could release, you know, remove the hum and all that kind of stuff. But there's no artificial... Uh, uh, creation in it, right? And so people are so focused on this AI term. What I think they're forgetting or not reporting enough is that in the year 2020, whatever it was that they started working Get Back, Peter Jackson invented a new technology for this band. So like even all these years later, right? They invent artificial double tracking in the 60s. They basically invent the flanger effect. There's all these like things that are on every guitar player's toolkit that were invented in the studio by the Beatles all these years later, they're still inventing this new technology. And I think that's pretty cool to talk about, you know, all on its own is that this exists because of them, you know, no, there was no need for it. I mean, there probably was, but there was no need for Peter Jackson to go in and, and invent this technology prior to that. And that, that's kind of remarkable in itself. I mean, the proof is there too. I mean, if you just, just by, I mean, if you hadn't watched Get Back, I mean, how incredible was that anyway? Mm -hmm. uh, just listening to this. Uh, and again, I really highly recommend you folks to go on YouTube and find that demo recording and and compare it actually, not necessarily to this song, but there was a, a 12 minute doc about this song where it is just John's voice and nothing mm -hmm. else, just completely isolated. You compare that to the demo tape, and it's like this is a miracle that has happened here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that that it's not that a machine is recreating John's voice. Machine learning is that, and that's the term they're trying to use instead of AI, just because yeah. of the misinformation has decoupled, as they say, the voice from the piano, and it can do more than that, as we heard with the B side of uh, now and then, which is uh, "Love Me Do," able to take essentially a mono uh, recording. And take out the four, five, six things that were recorded into that one thing and make a brand new stereo mix that doesn't mm -hmm. sound like three things are over here and three things are over there. Right. I mean, I, I get why people are afraid of, of, of AI because it's been it's kind of like a cryptocurrency. If 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 it attracts, you know, a certain type of person, then <laughs> it's not gonna look that great. Mm -hmm. And maybe right now AI is attracting a certain kind of person that's making it look great. So um I'm all for it though if they use it right. And if they want to go back and do, you know, please please me and all the other early albums in that way. Um, and we can get into how Love Me Do sounds, but I don't think the rest of those albums are gonna have that problem. Um, I'm all for it. I mean, that's that's stuff that I'd be interested in at least listening to. Do we need it? 
no, but man, I would be totally on board with seeing what AI can do for those albums. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, and I've been saying this since basically Pepper, the reissue of Pepper, is they should, I get why you did Pepper the way you did it. It's their monumental album. It's the first one that they did the remixes of. But beyond that, I think they shouldn't have focused so much on the albums and just focused on the year. So like now we're doing 1967. So you get all the Pepper, all the Magical Mystery Tour stuff. 68, you get the White Album, Yellow Submarine, all the singles, you know. And so then then you're not because now they're getting to the point where it's like, well, we're going to have the Red Album. So that's going to be a whole bunch of the early hits redone. So we're going to have six songs off of past masters that aren't remixed we're going to have a random song off the yellow submarine song track or soundtrack that's not remixed they're going to end up with all these little bits and pieces that i don't know how they're going to figure out how to do um so to your point i would love if they just did like a a beatlemania box that was like 63 through 65 or whatever oh yeah and just did all the remixes all the outtakes and everything because there's not as much material in the outtakes vault as there is in the later years. Cause they were just, you know, if you make an album in 24 hours, you're not mess. You're not leaving much on the floor. Um, yeah. But if they did just a box set with everything all remixed and tied up all those loose ends, I think that would be a cool. And I would definitely listen to it. Like you said, don't need it, but I would like to hear it. Then they'll have to tackle the Capitol albums and <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. it just gets, goes on and on and on. But that's, I mean, that just speaks to uh, just, the Beatles themselves, that they could do all that in what eight years, and mm -hmm. we're still, oh my goodness, not just getting new stuff to to listen to, but it, but enjoying it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. But um, now you talked earlier about your nitpicks with now and then, mm -hmm. and I have a feeling that you and I are going to agree with uh, probably most, if not all of them. I want to hear what your other nitpick, nitpicks were. Now, you said the compression and stuff, and I agree with that, but I have a feeling you didn't uh, tell me all of your nitpicks yet. Uh, no, the compression is the biggest one because it's okay. it's tough to hear. Like you heard in that documentary, Giles and Paul, and I forget who the third guy was, but there were three guys that, that worked on the orchestrations, and you heard in that documentary, they're just gorgeous. They're very reminiscent of what George uh, Martin was doing. Like, like when you listen to the uh, something strings on the uh, abbey road remix mm -hmm. and you just realize how gorgeous those arrangements are they almost get lost there's like there's no clarity to it because of that compression i think paul is doing some exceptional bass playing on it you can't hardly hear it it's like you feel the bass but you really have to focus and try to listen to it specifically to hear some of the little fills and licks he's doing um it just doesn't have that thump that you were getting on the latter Beatles albums or even on real love and free as a bird. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the slide guitar solo is a joke. I mean, it's, 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 he said it was in the style of George Harrison. I'm, uh, as you know, a, a big Harrison fan that was not in the style of George Harrison. That would have been one of the slide guitar parts. He, he put among 12 in that interlude, you know, he would have stacked them up and all that. And, that it just doesn't feel like a solo break. It just feels like they just kind of stuck it in with the orchestra. Yeah. Um, what I would have liked, and I sent you that video yesterday where some fan has put the missing verse back in. Um, I think it would have been cool if this, if this, if they're going to do a slide solo, fine, but if they would have mimicked 
the melody that John had written for that. I don't want to lose you. Um, I think it's a core. I think he meant it to be the chorus. I think the now and then part was meant to be a bridge for John, but if they would have incorporated that, because that melody really uplifts the song, mm-hmm. right? So you've got kind of a somber melancholic verse, which is beautiful. I really like the melody of this song. It's, it's one of those that like really sticks in my head um, for a few reasons, but you got that verse and then he goes down a whole step to get to that chorus, which is not, it doesn't really lift you up if you're going down a whole step for that chorus, which is why I think he intended it to be a bridge because the, the part they omitted does go up and he goes into his falsetto and all that kind of stuff, but he didn't finish the words. So I get why they took it out because half of that verse, yeah. he's just, he's just singing syllables, but there's a, there's a real pretty melody there. So I would have liked, maybe they incorporated that into the slide guitar or the string arrangement or something um, to just kind of lift it up a little bit. Cause there's not much without having George putting in those little fills between lines. There's not much going on in this. It's piano. That's just basically playing long chords and then eighth note strumming acoustics for the whole thing. And then Paul's bass. And the only movement you get is from the strings, but they're so buried. It doesn't really bring it up. It would have been nice to have something kind of, uh twist your ear a little bit you know to keep you in for that extra 30 seconds yeah i mean i mean those are all super nitpicky things i mean i got a new beatles song in the year 2023 so (laughs) yeah but i mean it wouldn't be it wouldn't be 2023 if we couldn't complain about it (laughs) i mean that's the whole idea between about the internet you know it's yeah yeah. this will be the 900th podcast about this by the time it goes up (laughs) Yeah, I, I do agree with your your nitpicks. Uh, some of the other things that I uh, and these are so stupid and small nitpicks. But um, if I were going to be a producer helping them out on this, and I wanted them to make this as perfect as possible, uh, aside from those other nitpicks, um, I would have maybe chosen a different. Um, harmony than the particular because harmony that they chose because that is so obvious i can't pick up because they used they pulled from three songs yes and i can't pick out specifically what the other harmonies are from like you sit there and you go that's probably here there and everywhere but i don't know what part or whatever but when that one chord comes from because it's like oh well there you go <laughs> yeah it's, it might yeah. as well they might as well have been saying because you know yeah Right. Well, and I don't mind that it's there, but I I wonder if they could have found a more subtle way to kind of slide that in instead of like, boom, ah, mm-hmm. right. But <laughs> and, then uh, on, on the other hand, I kind of wish they did more of that. The mm-hmm. song is now and then you're missing two of the Beatles. George has got almost no in, uh, uh, input in it. John has mm-hmm. got none beyond the melody because they took they took out his piano parts. I think yeah. it kind of would have been cool if they would have adopted more of that love aspect because I like a lot of the arrangements on love. If they would have flown in some different parts to kind of just really drill it home that this is a nostalgia project. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're going to do it 5%, why not do it 20% and really make it something that people can gravitate to? They'll find something new every time they listen to it and stuff because they, they did such a good job like with Strawberry Fields or tomorrow never knows and all those on the love albums i kind of wish they would have done a little bit more of that maybe flown in some more guitar parts or something now that know? that's what i would have uh i would have also liked to have added to this so um so aside from like the very obvious and abrupt b- 
because uh, Harmony, again, I don't mind that it's there. I just no. wish there was a better way to put it in there. But yes, uh, John doesn't play anything on this track. It's his vocal and that's it because they stripped mm-hmm. out the piano like you mentioned. There's hardly any George. Um, it's Thankfully, they did keep the 95 uh, um, track that he laid down, but that that's basically it if you don't put in those harmonies. And, and they used three uh, that they used because uh, Here, There, and Everywhere and Eleanor Rigby, and I can't for the life of me think of what on earth on Eleanor Rigby they could have used other than ah. Yeah. And I can't hear that anywhere. So unless there's some uh, outtakes or something that I'm not remembering that's maybe on anthology that they you know, threw on here. I'm just thinking about it might actually be the chord right after the because chord. Because, you know, they hit that chord and then half of it, it, it drops down like to it, like it goes from A major to A minor or something. And you hear that descending thing that second chord might actually be the eleanor rigby ah uh. and then in that it, and it's only paul doing that though it's like uh two or three notes in in that harmony that he's yeah. singing himself so i i to my ears i couldn't hear it that doesn't mean you're wrong i just i couldn't think what on that track did they use now the ooze i think have to be here there and everywhere yeah but other than that, I think because it's sprinkled in here and there, but, I think they did a great job flying. But even it. like if they are pulling them, if they're using this same mal technology on those vocals, so because you know, like on here, there, and everywhere, they're probably all singing into one mic. If they're pulling those out and able to isolate each voice that way, now they don't even have to stick to the chords that they're singing here, there, and everywhere because then they can just fly in notes. Oh, well, George was singing the right note on this chord, but Paul's singing it on this chord. So let's just fly them in, you know, so then we're not even listening for the parts. We're just listening to these brand new vocal tracks that were kind of like synthesized with the individual vocal tracks. They could also be pitch shifting some stuff, too. I mean, the the technology that they used for this, um, they also changed the the tempo of it. And um, I I watched uh, someone else had uh, taken the time to get an average uh, BPM on the demo. And it was approximately like 80. And the BPM for the release single is like 88. Hmm. So when I say average, I mean that John wasn't like, he didn't have a metronome. He wasn't following a right. steady tempo. He was kind of all over the place. So the well, fact they, that they were- They did that with the first two as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. But um, I would assume it's a lot easier to do these days. But oh, yeah. Fact, but, in doing that, though, there's some pitch shifting you need to do, because if you slow down, speed up a track, you know, get it so you don't sound like a chipmunk, because, you know, when you say, <laughs> you know, so if they're able to do that, and I assume pitch shift that, then maybe they're doing some pitch shifting on some of those flown in uh, harmonies, and maybe that's why I'm not picking some stuff up. But again, for the flown in parts, just that one because harmony, which I love, I thought it was too obvious that that's mm-hmm. what it was i'm like that, that it's like if you're taken out of a of a movie that took me out of the song for a second like this is no longer now and then okay now we're back <laughs> right right huh but it's a new beatles song so and how about the cover uh what about talk it? about it. a lackluster cover i prefer the back actually yeah me too i <laughs> I don't understand the back, but I like it more. I mean, it at least at least the back has the picture of the boys on the back. Yeah, it's a weird. And then to brag about it, like we got this famous artist, and I, that's not my world, so I don't know who this artist is. But to be like, we got this famous artist, and uh, this is the paint shop four version. <laughs> I, I guess it just maybe it's matches what 
other artists are doing these days? I don't know. I don't know. Is, is this something that uh, Taylor Swift would do? I don't know. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy with that. But... This, would, this would say now and then Taylor's version, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it should be Paul's version. Because if you would have dropped this this song on his album, Chaos and Creation, it would have fit in just fine. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I, I think I told you, it's like it sounds... Uh, the intro in particular sounds just like um, this never happened before, which is a great song. I like that song. I like this song, but it's like the the way Paul records his piano these days, the way he records his bass these days, um, it sounded very similar to several tracks that he's released over the last 15, 20 years. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I suppose that's, you can't really, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> what yeah, are you do? It is what it is. But but it's also a good thing uh, as far as this project goes, because, I mean, just look at the title now and then. I mean, mm -hmm. you literally have 80-year-old or whatever, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. And that's another one of my pick, uh, nitpicks, sounding as they do. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, I love Paul. He's uh, the main reason I got into music. But come on, dude. Like, he sounds... He sounds as bad now. I hate saying that, but he sounds as bad now as the John demo tape does. Like his voice has got so much warble and stuff in it. It sounds like it's a bad recording now because you can still hear Paul in there, but it's just yeah. such an old man weakness. You know, it's the, it is kind of distracting when they came in. Oh, the in Ringo's part was worse. And I, I'm glad he is kind of behind Paul, mm -hmm. but the, but the fact that he's doing a lower octave now threw me off. It's like I, <laughs> I am not used to hearing octave harmonies between Paul and Ringo in that way. <laughs> but what again? What are you going to do? And I'm also glad that they didn't do something as silly as de aging their voices, which I'm sure that's not far off for them oh, to be yeah. able to do. But um, but that because that's the point of the project is you are literally mixing a 70 what 19, 1977 recording with yeah. 1994 or 5 recording with 2023 i mean it, put it this way when the last beatle single came out um uh what was it it was off of uh and i don't like the song it's off of let it be and we all thought that was going to be the last um oh, long and winding road, road. Yeah. yeah we all thought that was our last beatle song and then then um 1995 we were blessed with another last Beatles song. And what was that? Like 25 years after the actual last Beatles single. And here we are another 30 years after that. Yeah, we're further from the anthology <laughs> than the anthology was from Let It Be. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And what's crazier is that Paul and Ringo are still here and able to well, do this. That's You got to give them credit for that. It's like yeah. they are still... the fact The fact that anybody can go and go back into their vaults and pick out a song from 30 years ago is amazing. The fact that that was that 30 years ago was already 30 years into their career is, you know, is even more nuts. There's not many people that can claim that, you know, and there aren't too many acts around right now that could, if they wanted to do this, I would say Rolling Stones would be the only other group off yeah. the top of my head that yeah. if they really wanted to, that, that they could do that. Maybe Led Zeppelin, you know, but yeah. we don't want it, but, <laughs> but I'd still it. buy it. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> One, well, you find that lost John Bonham track and, uh, <laughs> Oh, 
as a former drummer myself, I would covet any new John Bonham material. Oh my! You goodness. don't even need to put Jimmy Page on it for all I care. Just give me the John Bonham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, what are your thoughts on people who say this isn't a Beatles song? And they said this about that? real love. There's, it's all over the every critic. Um, oh, that is critical of the song. And and I think I I sound more critical than I actually am. I've listened to this song a few times a day every day since it came out and. And I, I enjoy it, and I'm glad they did it. Um, but, you know, nobody wants to hear me talk for half an hour, but it was good, right? But uh, some of the people that are critical, you'll hear people saying, well, it's not really a Beatles song and blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I have my feelings about that. But they said that about Free as a Bird and Real Love, too. Okay, then what about I, Me, Mine? Is that a real Beatles song? That's That's always my argument. They'll say, oh, well, John's dead. It's not really a Beatles song. Well, John wasn't on Blackbird either, so... <laughs> well john wasn't even in the band when they recorded i mean mine you know yeah so. yeah so yeah so if, if you're gonna argue that i mean at least all four are legitimately on this album or, or i keep saying album on this uh recording yeah. as with the other two anthology and i and, also hate when people are like it doesn't sound beatlesy i'm like well define beatlesy because to me beatlesy is if you've got john paul george and ringo or any combination of the four really in the same room doing it, it's going to sound like that because that they are, I don't understand that argument. You know, it's like, how can it not sound Beatlesy? They are the Beatles. That, that is, those are the guys, whatever they do sounds beat. It's like, <laughs> well, not only that, but there aren't too many bands that sound the same after 10 years mm -hmm. or 20 years or 60 years i mean <laughs> they didn't sound the same from revolver to pepper so what do we expect them to sound the same like what what did they did they need mellotron right. flutes or did they need yeah. background symbol backward symbols or what did they need to make this sound yeah. like beatles stuff because by that logic love me do and long and winding road could not be further from apart further apart from each other and nobody says that one doesn't sound beatlesy over the other you know this to me sounds like a modern day recording of old guys Mm -hmm. uh, like a, of an old rock band and they're not going to be able to sound like um twist and shout or <laughs> i want right. to hold your hand they're not going to even sound like come together or uh, yeah i would beatlesy to me this is beatlesy because mm -hmm. to me free as a bird and uh real love is a representation of another era of the beatles so that that counts towards what is Beatlesy to me, yeah. you know. And there is an era post Beatles, a very short window where um, a lot of George's material that you, you know, we all saw in the Get Back uh, documentary. Um, I still consider Beatlesy, even though it's on All Things Must Pass, yeah, because it was still in that era. And he, and he was him. trying to get it on Revolver, so I mean, of course, it would have been a Beatles song, you know. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that Paul released on his own in the 80s that, to me, just sounds like a Beatles tune, even though it's clearly nothing like a Beatles tune. Well, there are moments in all of their catalogs where you'll sit there and you'll you'll think, that sounds like John on backing vocals. And it's not. It's just that Paul and George, all three of their voices were so well suited for each other that every now and then they could do their yeah. own thing. And cut, Full credits. Ah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and they could make themselves sound like the Beatles just by that that default, you know. So it's like I don't know. 
I mean, all, all, all those years ago has got three of the Beatles on it. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. Beatlesy. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. Yes and no. Uh, we're all like um, off of uh, Cloud Nine, uh, that album, uh, When We Was Fab. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got uh, George and Ringo singing about the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And that was a be an intentional Beatles style uh, writing with very George sitars, uh, Beatles era overtones. Yeah. Um, do they mean that? Is that the kind of Beatles E that they're looking for when they're listening to this? That's what I think it is. I think that people, when they say that they, they want one element that is famous. They want the Mellotron flutes or the, you know, the, the, the chunky cello part or something, you know, that, that makes them go, that sounds like Strawberry Fields or that sounds like Eleanor Rigby, but that doesn't sound like Blackbird or Julia, you know? But if they so, get that, then they'll just say, well, they're not being very original. They've already done that. And if you listen to the demo, I think that demo, if you would have said that that was an Esher demo in 1968, I would totally buy it because that yeah. doesn't sound that far off from like Child of Nature or like you said earlier, Sexy Sadie. Like it fits in with the, the late 60s era John, which might be why he never like revisited it for double fantasy too. Um, yeah. Because it does kind of sound like an older song, even when it was originally written, it sounded kind of dated. Yeah. And it, I mean, when, when was that 77? So that wasn't that far off. That wasn't even 10 years or it was yeah. about 10 years. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know what people are just going to complain. <laughs> there's, there's always a group. That will. And in my experience throughout my entire life, uh, Beatles get a ton of hate. And I and I get it because, I mean, anytime you're it doesn't matter if it's a, if you're an author or if you're a movie star or if you're Kanye West, uh, <laughs> people are just going to hate. People are yeah. going to hate you. It, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, you see people like Taylor Swift who sells more concert tickets and sells more albums than anybody alive right now. And she gets it from anybody yeah. who doesn't who doesn't like Taylor has to hate her. And it's kind of the same thing with the Beatles. If you're not a huge fan, you have to hate them. There's no middle ground, you know, anymore, you yeah. know, especially if you're a content creator on TikTok or something. And of course, there's one thing uh, to be said about having the stuff like constantly crammed down your throat. It's like, oh, we're tired of the Beatles, you know, give, give us something else besides the Beatles. Yep, fine. Um, and this Here's is where I'm kind of hoping. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm kind of hoping that this will cool down for the general public now after this. They'll, I hope they still do their, their remixes, but I hope that's more geared towards just the Beatle audience mm -hmm. and not mm -hmm. so much like, all right, we got a massive announcement coming out tomorrow all right here's our announcement we're going to talk about this album tomorrow okay here's a, you know the, the whole rigmarole that they did for this single I, I hope this is the last time we get a huge you know public general audience thing well, like out of it. the the only thing left is carnival of light and they're not making a big deal about that <laughs> you all thought you like you thought you hated revolution nine wait till you hear this <laughs> <laughs> Well, we haven't touched on uh, two things, and I don't know if you want to or not, sure. but I think they're very important as far as this release goes because they're very attached to it. And that's uh, number one, uh, the video mm -hmm. that came out the day after the song. So if, if you listen to, this, to the song on the release day, um, 
and maybe had some sort of, of appreciation for it. Boy, you probably had a much better appreciation for it after you saw the music video the next day. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that's attached to it is the 2023 remix of Love Me Do, mm -hmm. which I think might be a can of worms. Maybe. Well, as far as the video goes, I think it's cheesy and corny <laughs> and perfect. It's 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 the kind of cheese that that is perfect. This is like we were talking earlier. This is a nostalgia project, and they they went whole hog. And you know, there there are some s small parts of it that maybe give you that little Polar Express vibe. But but uh, overall, I thought it was it was in good fun, and I'm all for whatever uh, uh, video they've got left in the vaults of the three guys in 95 in the studio, just them watching them tune their guitars. I'm like, I I'm, I'm cool with just four more minutes of this, you know, and, and the little banter that you heard in the documentary, but yeah, I thought the video was fun and, and it's in the spirit of, uh, of the Beatles and nobody in 1995, nobody said a word about this, basically the exact same video for real love you know, or not real love, uh, free as a bird when they were had like John and Yoko waltzing on the, on the street of Penny lane or whatever. Nobody said anything then, but now you'll get people that think it's hokey or whatever, but it's like, well, this is, there's some precedent for this type of video in their in their, uh, marketing. And I thought it was, um, like you said, kind of cheesy in a very Beatles way, but I mm -hmm. also thought it was, uh, just a beautiful, um beautiful send-off i mean the, when they broke up uh 69 70 they didn't really go out on their terms uh, yeah. they just you know it was a, a heartbreaking um uh split up of four friends uh four brothers really um and never really got to go out on on any kind of uh note other than you know let it be as uh a would you call it a, <laughs> uh, not posthumous, but, <laughs> but, but released after the bands are broken yeah. up and even, even to be able to come back, uh, for anthologies one, two, and three, um, they still, even at that time, didn't a good, get a good proper, you know, and to your point, maybe people weren't talking about that video because they didn't make a big deal of saying, this is our last song. This is it. This is all we got. We're, we're not doing yeah. anything else. I mean, they, for 30 years. Did. For 30 years, we've always known that at least bits and pieces of now and then we're in the vault somewhere, you know, because that was like in the music magazines and stuff. That was going to be track one of Anthology 3. So we all knew it existed to Beatles some degree. Yeah. To some Beatles degree. Fans. Yeah, we all yeah. did. And that's but, why I think when I said earlier, it touched me differently than those two did. Because mm -hmm. when the first two came out, I was kind of a new Beatles fan still. Like I got into them in like the eighth grade or something. Anthology comes out freshman or sophomore year of high school. Like they were still kind of, I was still discovering them. But now it's like, so then it was cool. Cause it's like, oh wow, cool new song by this band that I'm starting to get into. But now it's like, you're listening to it. It's like, well, this is it. And I saw a creator online yesterday who said that um, people might be listening to this song wrong. And I don't think you and I are those people because he said that he goes, people, some people are listening to this expecting a day in the life part two, right? Some masterpiece that's going to just blow them away. It's like, you need to be listening to this as just a farewell. Yep. And if you take it like that, you know, this is a farewell from the Beatles to their fans, from Paul to John and George, 
Like, you know, it's if you listen to it in with those ears, it really is a lot more moving than if you're listening to it going, well, this isn't as good as, you know, whatever. And I think that's where the music video kind of helps aid mm-hmm. in in telling that story. Like if you don't get that by listening to the song, which I kind of did, you didn't even have to tell me this is going to be the last song. I, I got it from listening to the song, right? But watching the video, I mean, even all the way down to the final seconds of them bowing, disappearing, the lights going out. If that didn't tell you that that was them saying, thank you. Good night. Goodbye. We'll see you down the road. Then yeah. nothing, nothing's gonna, um, so if you were expecting, like you said, uh, a day in the life part two, um, <laughs> you're expecting a lot from some 80 year old guys. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, if you were expecting that from a demo that John didn't think was good enough to revisit in, in 1980, that yeah. George, and I've got issues with this, uh, rewriting of history that they're giving on George here because he thought it was garbage. <laughs> and now all of a sudden it was, he thought the quality of the tape was garbage. It's like, man. In 95, you said he said the song was garbage. Um, But, you know, all that stuff, it's like if you thought John and George were going to pass on it for 35 years, it wasn't going to be a day in the life part two. No, no, no. But I think John didn't even do anything with it to begin with. And yeah, of course not. Yeah, he didn't even finish it. So, I mean, um, but yeah, they did a good job. And and I think also um, if you're streaming it or you have the LP or whatever, to be able to flip it and love me do is the B side so that it's like a continuous loop. Now, you know, mm-hmm. you can start and finish their first song, their last song, and it's just a continuous loop. And it's like, that's like the bow on the package. All right. And here's your, here it is for us, the fans, you know, and, and do with it what we will. So what do you I think? Love you that. think love me do is a can of worms. I think it could be, I think it very well could be um, because this will now lead into uh the red and the blue, which is coming out what next week? Yeah. Um, which then will probably lead into the remaining albums that uh I'm gonna assume they're gonna tackle because a lot of those uh, songs on the red and blue are on some of those remaining albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know you've been dying for magical mystery tour. <laughs> I, I I think it's gonna be a little bit before we get that, unfortunately. But I just don't but, understand why, because it seems like that would have been easier than Revolver, you know, and they've got a ton of good hits on that. So I think they kind a of lot. They, I think they blew it because they put Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane on Pepper. So that took the urgency out of it because it's like, well, we took 40% of the greatness of that album and put it on somewhere else. You see now what they've done here by titling these uh, songs as they do, uh, parentheses, 2017 mix, parentheses, they can revisit 2025 mix, 2025 mix. So That's now true. you can have two different mixes of Strawberry Fields that yeah. uh, you didn't need. <laughs> but I'm but sure. uh, there's got to be outtakes from the the A side of that, you know, with Magical Mystery Tour and Fool in the Hill and Flying and all that, all the incidental music from the movie that they had recorded supposedly. Like, there's got to be more stuff in the vaults for Magical Mystery Tour than there is for Beatles for Sale, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's such a but that's a different topic. But uh, but with Love Me Do, and uh, I was talking about this uh, with you um after i'd given a listen now i've i've listened to both now and then and the the new 2023 remix remix of love me do on multiple formats so i've got uh i've got the high-res digital download of both songs um lq was kind enough uh kind enough to drive uh three hours round trip to get the uh 12 inch single i still haven't gotten mine yet i haven't found it out here yet 
two copies and it was the last two in her area. She just snagged nice. them both. She, she didn't leave one for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Got them both. And so cracked one open and listened to both sides. Um, and that's where the compression on now and then really is evident is on really? the vinyl. That is, so I'm, I've got uh, some vinyl of some modern recordings of modern bands that I really enjoy. And it's the same. I enjoy the high res digital more than I do the vinyl, even though I'm a vinyl guy. Um, now and then, no, it suffers on vinyl in, in my opinion. And I've got the, the, the 45 RPM 12 inch single. It's not going to sound better than that on 33 and a third. Um, flip it over to love me do though. I cannot tell a difference between uh, my 12 inch single and the high res uh, digital. And it's for two reasons. Number one, because they didn't use all the compression and stuff that they did on then. And number two, uh, the recording, the original recording just wasn't up to the standards that the Beatles would eventually be known for. Yeah. Um, it's one of their earliest recordings. And yes, it's a miracle that they were able to uh, separate everything out, make a proper stereo uh, mix, which is still throwing me for a loop. Um, and I told you this, I, I think the mono... Um, and the mono version that I have is on past masters is the better mix of the two, mm -hmm. but I'll still listen to the stereo one because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I have two ears. All right. Give me stuff. <laughs> give me information for both ears. All right. Um, so I don't think that love me do is going to sound any better um, because of the limitations of the equipment that they had back then that they were using of the expertise of the folks who were recording George Martin or not uh, in, in the production booth, uh, even the limitations of something as simple as the the chords running from the mics and the amps and stuff mm -hmm. can all affect a recording. Uh, even even the tape that was being used, even the uh, degradation of the tape. I'm fairly certain they used a digital source uh, for the Mel uh, extrapolation. Uh, I don't know that they would bother even uh, using the tape again after I'm assuming it's been used so many times for different projects, but. Um, but I still think that even though I don't really care for the sound of the 2023 Love Me Do mix, I still think it bodes well for the future projects of the older albums. Mm -hmm. Now, with Love Me Do, on the 2023 mix, it's like the drums and the guitar are completely buried. I, it's like I barely hear them. The mono mix from Past Masters, I can hear everything just fine because that was how it was. It was intentionally mixed to mm -hmm. be a mono track. It wasn't meant to be a stereo track. And so that it exists as a stereo track, it doesn't sound right. Um, but I think that as things progress and as they're they're working on the the the, the next albums after this, I, I, obviously, please, please me and so forth. I don't think it's going to be the red album will tell me if it's going to be good or not. But I I'm not going to let love me do on this single um, scare me off just yet. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that it's going to sound great. Well, and the nice thing about the red album is that except for the stuff that's on revolver, none of it has been remixed yet. The blue album, most of that has already been released except for the few new ones that they've added. Um, and a couple like fool on the hill and stuff, but, uh, the red album, it's going to be totally new, but that 62 to 65, there's a lot going on there between let me do. And like, I feel fine. 
you know so i feel fine might sound pretty ripping with this new remix and everything um but let me do yeah i think that you you listen to that one even the original mono mix and it's like they were recording these guys as if this was a one hit wonder at best throw it in the can so they can you know fulfill their contract and be done with it you know it was it does not sound good and it does not sound even as good as other things they did like on the please please me album um so yeah i, I I'm, I'm with you it's like i i I'm not in love with the mix, but I'm not in love with the song either. So it's it's when they get to She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand, that'll be the real test for me. Yep, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how that technology, is, is it going to be a true improvement? Because you know that the 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 mono geeks, and total respect to the mono geeks, because I, I do think a lot of the mono mixes are superior. I just, mm-hmm. like I said, I've got two ears. Um, they're going to be protesting against the, the stereo mix they're That's, not going to like it i don't understand it and i don't care <laughs> I, it's they're not taking those away from us anytime yeah. <laughs> something new comes around people yeah. are like well that's not how i want to listen to fine you still got the mono records and the mono discs and they've released them on cd you've got plenty of opportunities to listen to it the way you want to listen to it right. let them release it in new stereo and quadraphonic and atmos and all that kind of stuff and just take what you want from it you know i don't have anything to play atmos on i don't get offended if they were released in atmos you know it's like (laughs) it's just not for me whatever i've got the original still it's fine yep and you know what maybe it is a cash grab but it's 2023 um we're in the united states if if something isn't a cash grab, I'm honestly probably a little bit skeptical of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's now and then. I think this will probably be part one of two because I still have to do the the musical analysis for this, um, which I haven't done. I wasn't going to do it tonight regardless. But Oh, I want you to grab that guitar. Do some music theory for me live right now. Let's go. All right. Now, so remember, it starts. It I starts said this on five a, years ago. It starts on, <laughs> starts on a G minor chord. And, uh, <laughs> The nice thing I think about John's melody uh, from a musical theory standpoint is that when he gets to the end of the phrase, and this is, I've seen people do covers of it and they're getting this wrong. So take notes, cover artist. He gets to the end of the phrase and he hits a suspension. He doesn't land on the chord. He hits the suspension and he sings the suspension, which is not typically what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to sing like the root or something and let the band resolve. But he sings the suspension. It's that I love you, like that little melisma he does. And then he resolves up, which is also kind of contrary to what, because the melody wants you to resolve down. And he hits the suspension and then resolves it up. And that to me is like the best earworm in the whole song is that last, plus it extends the phrase by like two bars, which is also talk about Beatlesy. That's something that they would have done was like, Oh, let's just do a nine bar phrase or something or, or, or one bar of five just to, you know, make it so that we can get this idea out. And, uh, and that's one thing I do like about the, the melody. I think his, I think the verse on this is really beautiful the way he did it. But more of that on part two, whenever that comes out. Oh, I was going to say, now you don't need a part two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris, for coming on tonight. My pleasure. Uh, like I said, all in all, good song. Take the context away. It's more like a sexy Sadie deep cut with context. It is a fantastic send off to mm-hmm. an amazing band. And I'm so I think we, we should be very grateful that this happened. Absolutely. 
All right. For everybody else um, who's listening on the uh, podcast apps or watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe wherever you need to subscribe. Make sure that you swing by our new community, community.herohabit.com. Just started it. Um, it's all revamped. So if you were part of our old forums or whatever, those are gone. This is new and better. And there's a uh, discussion channel there for the Beatles that you can join once you sign up. Um, so let's get on there and chat. And then I will see you next time. More new episodes are coming. We've got some kinks remasters to talk about. Um, so there's lots more to come. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next time. <laughs>